What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Well, let's get 2022 started off right. Thank you so much for kicking off your new year by tuning in to the Lynch Leader podcast. It means the world. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and I am pumped to be on this leadership journey with you. Today, we get to sit down with the gentleman that really got this whole thing going when I sat in his workshop uh, back in 2013, 2014, and man, found out about spiritual leadership, really never thought about that before, started reading the book, Spiritual Leadership, which inspired me to, to begin some spiritual leadership groups, go through spiritual leadership coaching, and I tell you what, I wouldn't be where I am today without Dr. Richard Blackaby. He was a guest back in episode 100, and as I thought about kicking off a new year, I could not think of anybody I would rather kick off the new year with than Richard Blackaby. His podcast is on point. He's got a brand new podcast, by the way. It'll be down in the show notes beginning in 2022 called the uh, Experiencing God Day-by-Day Podcast. It's going to be amazing. But today, we are going to delve into the topic of a leader's character. What makes the great ones tick? You're on this podcast today because you want to be great. You don't want to be good. You want to be great. What makes those that can sustain leadership for the long run? What is it that goes on in the engine room of their lives? That's where we're going with this conversation. And there is so much good stuff, much like we found in the last episode with Dr. Mark Rutland. It's just full of leadership gold. So today, as you're kicking off a brand new year, setting new pathways, setting new intentions, setting new calendaring of of what you can do to be your very best, this is going to really add to your leadership toolbox. So, I want you to pull out your notebook. I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Dr. Richard Blackaby. Richard, thank you so much for joining me again on this episode of Lynch of the Leader. It's an honor to have you back again. Oh, it's always great to be with you, Mike. You know, it's funny. We we were just talking before we went on air just about the year we've lived through. We, we talked, last time we talked was in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now we're on the outside of it but yeah hopefully still yeah but but still experiencing it yeah what's changed during this season uh for you in leadership what's changed about you well you know i think uh for one i think just a greater sense of urgency mm-hmm. uh I, I i i i never like wasting my time but i i'd like it even less now i mm. i see so much need uh i just don't i don't want to waste my time in frivolous Un, uh, impactful activities, uh, even just, uh, just, you know, devoting my attention to news and things that I, I, I don't even know that it's edifying or even true. Um, and I, it's, I could, I could 
sit there and watch what other people are doing, or I can stand before God and say, what do you want me to do? Mm. And so I guess it's a sense of uh, intentionality uh, just every day saying, God, what I don't want to get through the day and realize I squandered a day that God could have used me to make a difference. Um, and uh, so I, I think just, I always had a certain sense of that, but it's certainly been ratched up quite a bit. I think just watching the pandemic, the, the human need out there, um, it certainly give me a more of a focus, I think, and urgency than ever before. You know, I love that answer because during, during seasons like this and in everyone in leadership, whether you're a coach, a principal, a, a uh, business owner, a pastor, when that squeeze comes on, which we've lived in a year of squeeze, mm-hmm. when that squeeze comes on, we begin to find out a lot about people yeah. and we begin to see what was below the surface rising to the surface why can you only hide a leader's leader's character for so long before it gets exposed uh, it, i mean it always is going to leak out and uh you know i feel like uh in one sense uh of course 2020 was such a uh, tumultuous divisive troubled year in, in american history and i but i kind of wonder in part i mean there's there were so many factors involved but i i think certainly with uh, covid putting pressure on people for so long I, I i i suspect we would have still had the racial and political and other tensions but i just think it got magnified i think it it was like covid put a megaphone in front of everybody and whatever they were thinking or feeling was even intensified and so that's why i think crises can be good for leaders because it leaders fool themselves they they think they're very patient they're very <laughs> understanding they they think they put their staff first and and then a crisis comes and all of a sudden their true character uh, surfaces for everybody to see and um and so certainly covid has done that and whether you're a pastor or whether you're a business person the way you handled it i think uh we ought to all take a good hard look at that and learn from that and you know some people have handled it pretty well but I think we all have room to improve and it, it, it never hurts just to stand before the a mirror and say, so this is who I am right now. That's right. <laughs> God, where, where could we do better? Um, what do I learn from that? And of course it's not wasted. We may be disappointed or embarrassed about maybe some of our behavior, but with God, it's, it's always, well, forgetting what lies behind, what, how are you going to live better going forward now? That's really good. I, you know, I was, um, thinking about just the year we've lived through and we saw some leaders not make, not finish. Well, we saw some leaders where character um, that we assumed was there Mm -hmm. may not have been there. I heard Dave Chappelle, the comedian, he, he, he said the statement, sometimes success takes you to places that your character can't sustain you. Mm. Why does success blind us? to what's on the inside of us. Cause I think most people listening to your podcast, my con- my podcast, they're achievers. There are people mm-hmm. that are wanting to be better and they're wanting to be the best and they're up early and they're, they're, they're uh, leading the charge. They're out in front, but sometimes their success blinds them to what's inside of them. Why do you believe that's true? Well, because the world is so success oriented that when the world starts telling you, wow, look at you, look at how big you grew that church, look at how big that business is. Uh, 
you know, it, when our problem is that the voices of people matter to us a lot more mm. than the voice of God. Oof. And so when people, and that, that's why you'll have like a pastor of a mega church that it discovers, you know, they, they discover he's a serial adulterer and yet people will still be reluctant to fire them or put them aside. They'll say, well, but look at all the good he did. <laughs> and we'd say, well, what do you mean the good he did? Uh, Number one, that was God who grew his church. And number two, uh, how, how can that be? His good was was intended to bring glory to God, and his life has not done that. It's He's actually discredited the name of God, and he's he's been a stumbling block uh, to people. So, but, but the world tells us we're really something, and we latch on to that. If we would listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, he'd say, I'm, God's not impressed with you uh he knows what's in your heart he knows the pride that's there and um but we we listen to the wrong voice and uh and somehow we kind of feel like well i know in one sense god can't be pleased about this in my life but he's got to be happy look at at least what i'm look at what i'm giving him look what i'm doing for him i, I grew this church he, i mean he's got to be happy i'm on his team and we need to be reminded sometimes God doesn't need us. We, he, <laughs> he, he, his kingdom will carry on just fine without us. Uh, we, but we need him. And when we forget that we're in big trouble. How do you keep that view? So you begin to ascend and you went through this in your career. I mean, you went through, uh, you were a pastor, you were a president of a university. Um, you've been at all levels of leadership. How do we keep ourselves where God's voice matters more than people's voices because i think all of us we love the we love the adulation we love the pats on the back we love no we don't want any of the criticism but we yeah. love we love the pats yeah. on the back and the, the attaboys and aren't they great how do we protect ourselves from that and keep god's voice preeminent well you know there's a different way i think probably the two the primary ways at least in my life first is just regularly honestly stand before god and and his word and let his word go where like hebrews 4 says it's a discerner of our thoughts and minds it, it the, the word of god has a way of just getting right to the spot where things are not good and uh if we'll if we'll heed what the word of god's saying and be honest with god he'll he'll get to it every time he he has, makes a beeline toward the pride in our life uh but I, but secondly, I would just say, um, uh, always have people in your life that, that will speak honestly with you. You know, I, and I, I think for those of us who are married, that's, uh, you know, I, I had the, um, uh, the good fortune of marrying a Canadian wife and Canadians <laughs> are, for the most part, do not put people on pedestals, uh, that you you start to get a big head and they'll they'll bring you down pretty fast and uh for for good or for bad and so my wife is like she's just she loves me she's proud of me she's not uh she's not starry-eyed at you know how wonderful i am so i i i i may have been in conferences all weekend around people that just love what i did and said but i walk in the door and i'm brought right back down to earth <laughs> mm. i forgot to take out the garbage um <laughs> and I, I you know i think we just need that in our life we need people that aren't they, they don't just see our position they see us and mm. as people and they can talk to us straight and you 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 show me a leader who's fallen dr dramatically and I'll show you a leader that 
that lost his bearings as far as accountability with people. No, nobody dared tell them the truth anymore. And everybody could see it that was near them. Um, but no one dared say it. And I, you know, I remember I, I've got several of my kids and sons-in-law, son-in-law that work for me. And we were, there was a prominent Christian leader that had fallen and it was very disappointing. And, and my, all my kids were with me and they said, dad, you know, how, how can that happen? I said, well, they just don't have anyone in their life that will tell them, you know, tell it to them straight. And all my kids and relatives all started smiling and said, well, dad, you don't have that problem. <laughs> he said, we'll, <laughs> we'll all tell you when you mess up. I said, yeah, I said, I, you're keeping me honest. So as painful as it might be, I just need to always have people around me where if I'm on the road, I've got a, a trusted dear colleague that will talk to me straight. I, I can't get away from it at home, wherever I go, the office, there's always people that I know full well they're on to me if I start to get a big head or start to say careless, unkind, unchristlike things. What are what are triggers for you as a leader that your character is getting out of order? You know, are there some engine room lights? You know, your 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 dashboard pops up and going, all right. You know, Doctor Blackaby, this 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 area of your life's not great. Are there any engine lights for you that are triggers that, like, man, this is something I need to I need to push push the brakes and pull the yeah. car over before I have an accident? Anything like that for you? Yeah, you know, there's there's several different things in my life. I mean, sometimes I I may just I may start getting a bit of a critical spirit. You know, I, I see so much and I'm around so many people. I hear so much news and there's times where i can kind of get on my high horse and and god will just at times say you know but by my grace you know yeah. you you could be right there too and uh don't don't get so high on your horse that you don't just tend your own you know property and keep yourself straight and uh and i, I now and then i'll i i can be subject uh, periodically not not that often but now and then i'll get on a little bit of a pity party you know you're just, I'm doing so much and I'm just not really appreciated or I, I make all these sacrifices and what, what's the point and uh, what good did that do? And when, when I start hearing that, it's, you know, sometimes you almost have to just kind of step out of your head and just listen to yourself and say, that's pitiful. If I heard anybody else talking like that, I'd be, I'd be slapping their face and saying, get, you know, get back in touch with reality. And, but here I'm, I'm, I'm having this sort of little ride down feel sorry for me lane and mm. and uh, i'll catch myself I'll, you know you, you just you start listening to yourself and you say you know what that's not me that's certainly not who i want to be and um if i'm if i'm in this as a servant of god servants don't complain when they get treated like servants and i just i got to get my act together here and uh i'll sort of shake myself out of it but but yeah, a lot of it is just you listen to what's coming out of your mouth that Jesus said, that'll give you the best indication of what's in your heart. And sometimes it might be alarming if you listen to yourself and realize if that's in my heart, I, I've got some work to do. Can a leader have a strong character without a spiritual grounding? Can, can a leader, can a leader make it long-term without that spiritual grounding bringing? Cause you know, you think everything we've talked about is boy, the Holy spirit convicting us, you know, going to the Lord, reminding ourselves of who we are. How would that balance for somebody who doesn't have a spiritual grounding? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think you can go long without it. I mean, I, I know, th- I mean, there are non-Christians who, who try to be honest, you know, who try to act with integrity, and they, they know it's a good thing. But, but I'll tell you, like, like uh, Jeremiah said, our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, and we, and I've known people who, you know, m- most of the leaders you find that have these spectacular downfalls that they didn't set out to do that, and mm-hmm. it's not like they. Uh, they weren't sincere about a lot of the, the the you know noble things that they said but but their hearts deceived them and without the holy spirit in your life the, the spirit of god he just starts raising his voice and saying richard 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 hey and he'll do whatever it takes to get my attention to say you're headed toward a cliff mm-hmm. uh you know change course uh hey get over that you know you're not seeing the truth uh, listen to what this person is saying to you but without the Holy Spirit, um, we'll, we'll, we'll just find ourselves being deceived. We'll hear, we'll listen to the voices we want to listen to. Uh, we'll be pressured to compromise our convictions. Uh, just this, in, in this instance, you know, uh, normally I know this is wrong, but I think in my situation and in my circumstances, I can justify it. Whereas the Spirit of God will just stop you in your tracks and say, you're just, you're, you're just, playing games here um and so yeah you but when you when you ground yourself in god's word that doesn't change under any circumstance when you've got the holy spirit um that's constantly keeping you in line when you start to veer off course uh those are some things that you can just count on take to the bank Uh, god is going to use every resource in heaven to try to keep you on the right path if you'll just pay attention and heed his voice You, you in the uh book spiritual leadership which if you're listening to this show is the best leadership book i've ever read um i've led gosh i think i have nine spiritual leadership groups of business leaders principals police chiefs that we read the book and and talk about the book and and it's amazing to watch these incredible leaders begin to lead god's way And one of the quotes in that book that I wanted to talk about um, out of the chapter you have on character was this. You said, in an attempt to enlist a following, many devote more energy to generating the appearance of a leader than developing the character required to lead. You know, they, they spend all their time getting the following, not working on their character. Yeah. Why is it easier to do that as a leader? Because we love the people around us than to go internal and work on our character. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's well, because it's easier for one thing to just work on the externals. Uh, you just, just buy a power suit, a power tie, you know, <laughs> go get your hair done in a sharp way. Uh, just Just learn some key phrases to say with confidence and, uh, maybe a really inspiring story and everybody is in tears and thinks you're wonderful, but you know, in your heart that it's a lot of baloney that you've just spoken. And it, it just, you just, it's just manipulation. You just know the right words to say that get the right response. And, uh, but it, it, it it's way, it, it takes a lot more work to actually do that hard kind of grunt work of just getting your character refined and humbled and, and Christ-like, uh, and that's and a lot of that's done uh behind the scenes you know not uh not in front of people 
Uh, and I've seen, you know, you and you have too, we've been around enough leaders that you see them on stage and you're with them in the green room and, <laughs> and you realize, wow, what, what, that's a different person once the, the lights go on. And, uh, but, and then you're with other people, you realize, no, that's ex- what you see is exactly what you get there. That, that's the real deal. That's, they're always that way. Uh, when no one else is watching, they still do that. And, but that just takes a lot more work and there's not, you know, again, it's the, the rewards are a lot more immediate when the whole crowd is there to clap for you, mm. as opposed just to, you know, ask yourself, is God's approval all that I need or that I want? Uh, would I give up God's solitary approval so that I had a thousand people in the auditorium who loved me? What What really matters more to me? Is it ever too late to begin to work on your character? on your spiritual character, on that Christ likeness? Is it ever, has a leader ever missed their window? You know, obviously the sooner the better because character builds on itself. Uh, It's like building blocks, you know, it's, it's your foundation. So, I mean, if you're at age 20 and you're already working on just addressing those raw parts of your character that need refining and, shaping and molding uh well then boy when you're 60 you're going to be an amazing amazing person but but then you know like i've told stories of my dad uh who who did work on his character when he was 20 but but when he was 65 he was still working on his character Mm. and and he realized after all these years there's still other you know depths i could go and and heights I could reach, uh, and I'm just not satisfied yet. I'm still not like Jesus. As much as I've tried to be, I've still got a ways to go. And so I'd always tell people, you're, you know, wherever you are today, start working on your character. Uh, and it, I don't care if you've been doing that for 50 years, God will still take you somewhere and say, well, this could still use some cleaning up. Uh, and you know, just never be satisfied until you look exactly like Jesus Christ. And I love that you hit that about your dad too. Your dad is, your dad has been a major influence in the Christian world for years. Um, you you made that comment. He's still at sixty five. He was still working on his character. Yeah. Why is it a? Why is it something we will work on till we go home with the Lord? Why is character not something that we get one time? We we get the pill. We do the one Bible study we needed to do, or read the one book we needed to read, and it's just like a one one stop shop. Why is character something that's constantly having to be worked on? Well, for one, there's just so many layers to it, you know, and, and sometimes we'll get the surface layer, the, 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 the layer that people see the most, we, you know, we'll do some tweaking on that. But, uh, but what you just find is the layers keep going deeper. And, and, uh, and I find that uh, for me, sometimes, you know, that that's reflected a lot of my thought life. It's like, you know how it is. There are things I, w- I would never say out loud. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I've got enough self-control and <laughs> self-respect and that I would, but, but I would think it, you know, and, uh, and so God says, well, we got the character part where what comes out of your mouth is under control, but your thoughts, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, and it's like, yeah, well, I'm trying to control my thoughts. I can't stand that guy, but at least I'm, you know, I'm not rude when I talk to him and God would say, yeah, but until you actually love that guy, you're, you, you've got room to go still. Well, I, I'm never, I'm, I'm never rude to him. Well, that, that's not what love is. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And so I find, especially as you get older as a Christian, 
you know, a lot of the self-control stuff, you kind of have just learned to manage, you know, mm. but, but it's what's in your heart that I think takes a lot longer. And, and just about when you think that you've got stuff under control <laughs> and then some prideful thought will sweep by and you'll just think, Oh no. Uh. Like I, and I thought I had this thing taken care of, you know, but there's still another layer and I, I'm still not like Jesus yet. And just because people on the outside think I'm like Jesus, they, if they knew what was in my heart and mind, they'd be appalled. And so I, I, I just know there's still work to be done. Your podcast, and even in your book, you're a big history buff. You love <laughs> history. You love, and you do such a great job bringing out all this historical things. And the other thing you do is, you do a great job making biblical characters come to life. I mean, God left us this book of, of leadership, really. I mean, he left yeah. us this book with goods, bad rises, falls of the greats from scripture. Yeah. What character in scripture, what leader in scripture do you feel like looking back now, of course, we're all looking back on their journey, had their character seemingly from what we read and what God left us, they had their character in order. Who stands out to you in that? Well, you know, there's uh, there's several. I, I guess one of the ones I wrote a book with my dad about him years ago is was would be Joshua. You know, I and there, there I mean, there's lots of people that I could point to, but what I like about Joshua is, you know, he spent forty plus years as the number two guy, and and as far as he knew, I mean, he didn't know that Moses was going to mess up just shortly before entering the promised land. Like, as far as Joshua knew, he, he's probably going to always be a number two guy. And he is fine with that. You know, it's like, God, wh what do you want me to do? And he just, he did it well, did it with his whole heart. While Moses is up on the mountainside top with his arms raised praying, Joshua's the one down there swinging his sword and in danger of being killed, you know, and getting some of the hard jobs, the tough work, um, but he did it faithfully. And then in God's good time, 40 some years later, all of a sudden he's cast into number one. And, you know, he's a bit intimidated because Joshua one, God tells him not to be afraid how many times. Yep, that's right. Uh, but, uh, but then he, he does that to the best of his ability and right to the end of his life. Uh, you know, he's saying, Hey, even if all the rest of you aren't going with God, if I'm the only one, me and my family, that's what we're going to do. I I'm not led by the crowd, by popular opinion. I've got my convictions. I've served God this far with my whole life, I'm certainly not going to stop doing it now. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, it says uh, at the end of that, uh, even after Joshua, well, you know, Moses had so many people rebel against him. Mm -hmm. You never see that with Joshua. I mean, hopefully, maybe partly because he's got a new and improved people of God with him. But, uh, but Joshua was a leader, and he, he inspired people to follow him. I, and I think largely because of his character, but uh, it says even after Joshua died, all of his colleagues, all of his generation, as long as they were alive, they continued to serve God. And I think, well, that's you've got to have an influence after you're gone. Every all of your staff, everybody who ever worked with you, all their life, they just they were so inspired by your walk with God that they stayed true as well. Um, unfortunately, the next generation doesn't. But uh, uh, but he's just one of those guys, you know, he, he doesn't give a lot of big speeches, doesn't write a book of the Bible. He just kind of knows what God's asked him to do. And he does it with all of his heart. And, 
And when he's done, when he's conquered Canaan, he doesn't, you know, say, I deserve this. I should be made your king. I should be the lifelong ruler. He, he, he steps away and just says, I'm good. And I'm going to go farm. Whatever God's got for me next, that's what I'll do. And I, I like that in a leader who just says, so God, what do you have me to do? And I'll do it to the best of my ability. So good. That is so good. We're, we're studying Joshua and I went to the leader group, you know, mm-hmm. and you think about, and, and it wasn't all good for Joshua. There were some tough times, yeah. you know, the, 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 even the walls of Jericho and how crazy that deal looked. And then you had, when they lost the battle, how, yeah. when, when, when Joshua's troops lost because of the sin and disobedience, what did he show most as a leader, that character and how it came out? What would you say? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, because they what do they lose? Like 30 some men and yep. at I like, I mean, compared to the thousands that they had, it's it's like uh, but but he, I mean, he's fallen on the ground, he's crying out to God, he's tearing his clothes. It's like it's like Joshua, can't you take a little setback? <laughs> you know, but 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 what he's saying is that that indicates to me that God's not for us right now, God's not us. Uh, uh, blessing us and it terrified joshua to lead without god's presence and blessing and uh you know for a lot of us we we're not terrified by that um their pastors god has not grown their church in decades but they should have been on the ground weeping and crying out to god years ago but they've just made excuses they've just said that's you know whatever joshua he didn't tolerate failure i mean he knew there was a reason like God promised victory. Uh, and so if God's not given victory, he knows full well, the problem is not with God. And so I, what I like about Joshua is he find, he gets to the root of the matter. You know, I, I try to help pastors of churches that have been in decline for 20 years. And you would think if you've been in a church that hasn't grown in 20 years, that they'd be so humble and so open and desperate for to find the answers most of the time, though, they're defensive. Uh, they don't. They don't want you to look at their leadership. They don't want you to say it might be, you know, th- them that's the problem. They want to blame everybody else. And uh, Joshua, I love that about him. He just he got on his knees and said, God, tell us what the problem is, and we'll get it right. And so God does tell him. They deal with the problem right away, and that's the last setback really you ever hear that right. Joshua faces. And uh, you know, I just think, wouldn't that be amazing if some leaders who've had some setbacks would just act like Joshua, humble themselves and say, I don't want to spend the rest of my life being beat up and defeated as a leader. God, just tell me what the problem is and I'll deal with it. Whatever, however costly, whatever sacrifice has to be made. I'll tell you, we live in an age right now where leaders, we can't afford to be ineffective. And there are things holding back a lot of Christian leaders today that they're still maybe holding a job. They're still getting some stuff done, but there's so much more that could be done if they would just be honest, like Joshua and say, God, tell me what's holding my leadership back. I'll get it. I'll deal with it today. Just imagine what would happen in America if every Christian leader just got before God and said, whatever's holding me back from being all the leader that you created me to be, just let's deal with that today. And I want to be free to, to be the, the man or woman of God that you created me to be. You know, I, I love the scene too, when he finally leads the children across the Jordan river and the, of course the water stops and he 
God instructs them to pick up the stones and to, to stop in that moment, pick up those 12 stones and to remember his faithfulness. What do you think was the significance of that for years to come for Joshua? Not only that he was obedient to do that, but that that was left to remind the people. What do you think was the biggest significance yeah. of those stones and how they play in our lives in leadership and family now? Yeah, you know, well, two things, I guess. One is, you know, if, if you've been the number two guy to Moses for 40 years, you, you got to be feeling a little insecure. Like, mm. I, you know, I'm not Moses. I mean, he parted a Red Sea. Uh, I, I, you know, Joshua had a river. Uh, but I, I think partly what God was saying is, look, I haven't changed. I mean, it was me that parted the Red Sea, and I'm the one that'll part any body of water you need to. And so I think that was a reminder to Joshua, first of all, that he served the exact same God that Moses did and had just as much power available to him as Moses or anyone else ever had. And uh, and then secondly, you know, my dad in his book, Experiencing God, kind of calls these spiritual markers. Um, and, this, you know, it's amazing. You think about it. If, if these people have walked through the Jordan River that's all dried up, you would think that you would never forget that. <laughs> uh, that seems pretty unforgettable. And yet God, it says something about the nature of people that we do forget. We And, and even though God has provided so many times before, the next time we face a need, we start worrying and fretting as if he's never proven himself faithful in the past. And so I think, uh, you know, it, it's a good reminder to all of us that, uh, and and a lot of what God says in that passage is not even so much for Joshua and that generation, but for their kids. They said, you know, when your kids ask you, well, what's this pile of rocks doing here? God was always thinking about the next generation. And, you know, in that one regard, we, the Bible never tells us what happened to Joshua's kids. You know, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no record that his house did serve the Lord. There's, he said he, they would. There's no record that they did. When you get to Judges, it says a generation arose that didn't know God. It doesn't say, except for Joshua's kids and grandkids, you know, they, they still serve God. It doesn't say that. And so if there was any failure in Joshua's part, it, it might have been that despite all he saw, somehow he still wasn't able to convince his grandkids uh, to, to walk with God. And so I, I think God was trying to help him. God said, well, build these stones. So, you know, regularly take your grandkids down here and, and talk to them about what God did and how awesome he is. But um, we just don't hear it. Maybe they did. The Bible just is silent about that. But, you know, I think one of the biggest downfalls of, of really good leaders, some of the greatest men and women of God I've known, they, they live their lives well, but they, they failed to pass the baton down to the next generation. And so any shortcoming of Joshua, mostly just from silence, uh, but it, you know, his heart was to do that. Uh, there's just no evidence that he was successful. Have you done that with your children? You know, your children, so many of them serve with you in the ministry there. I know you've got one son that's out in Canada in church planning. Mm -hmm. How have you, how have you and your wife done that through the years to remind your children? It's not just what you heard me say on the stage, but let's look at all the ways God's been faithful to our family. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, and a lot of it I learned from my parents, I guess, but one is just talk with my kids about 
what God's done. You know, I think mm. as adults, a lot of times, like maybe we, we face a bill, we don't know how we're going to pay. And then we pray and God provides and we're, we're grateful, but we, we don't always take time to stop and explain to our kids what happened. They, they, they don't benefit from God's activity in our life because we don't tell them. And I, I think you just have to be a good steward of whatever God does in your life. Being a steward means that you share to his glory, uh, especially to your own family and say, kids, you'll just, this is just amazing. Let me tell you what God did today. You know, if you grow up where your parents are regularly just excited about what God did in their life and in their family, kids, we, the re only reason we're able to do this today is because God provided and God loves us. And look at how God provided today. And look how God protected us today. We were almost in a car accident, but then look at what God did. And you know, you, it, it became, it becomes real. There's too many parents. We think, well, if we just get them to church every Sunday, that they'll just love Jesus. But, but what they really need to see is all week long, God is active. God's not just down at the church house. He's in our home. He's in our family. Um, and so I, I just want to be careful to point out uh, God's activity to my kids all the time. And uh, so even through COVID, you know, I can't remember if I shared with you when we were before, but you know, God provided for our ministry a number of times, very profoundly, uh, unexpectedly. And one of the first things I would do is tell my kids, you know, and several of them work for us. So when we get an unexpected check in the mail that, that helped us make payroll, it was like, Hey kids, let me tell you, you know, we all were praying for God's provision. We had no idea how we we're going to survive COVID with everything shutting down. And yet look what God did. That's right. I've always told you kids, you could trust God. Well, exhibit 125 here now it's uh just the next example of god's faithfulness and you know i you, you don't take that for granted uh, you don't assume that your kids just notice you, you highlight it you point it out put it in front of them and say once again look at god and one of these days i won't be around anymore kids but hopefully by the time i'm gone you have just learned to just recognize yourself the faithful activity of god in your life as well and I love you. You hit that. We'll end with this question. Um, nobody sees a leader's character more than those in the home. I think those yeah. that close that are closest, uh, our yeah. wives, our, our our husbands, if it's a, a lady listening, our kids. We, we can fool people from a stage. We can fool people that we work with, but we can't. We typically cannot fool the people inside the house. Uh -huh. When that day comes, I pray it's a long time away that you aren't here. What do you want your children to say about their dad's character? If I were to ask them that question, you know, I remember having your dad on one time. We talked about a leader's character. What would you want them to say about your character as a leader? Well, you know, I think what they probably, uh, I know they would say is, well, he wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they'll know that, but they'll, hopefully they'll also say, but dad knew he wasn't perfect. And, and yet dad kept working at it. And God, you know, he he was relentless with God to just keep moving every year a little bit closer to where God wanted him to be. Um, and you know, I I I I think that it's funny because my now that I've got adult kids, they'll often just say, "Well, Dad, I know what you think about that," or "I know you would." I you know, we we heard this speaker on Sunday say this, but Dad, we know that that's not how you view things, and. It's funny because you you don't even always realize what your kids pick up, you know, uh, and yet they it's 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 funny. And like even just with, when my kids started having kids, 
my, you know, one of my kids said, well, dad, if, if our, if, if my child comes to your house and is ever being a brat, you, you won't even need to say a word. I know exactly what you think about out of control kids. <laughs> and you start to realize, yeah, you know, I, I have tried not just to be preachy, but they, they do know what I think. They, they do know what's important to me. I don't, I don't have to keep telling them now that they're in their thirties, but, um, and I hope that they would just say, and I, we know that dad loved God and he spent his whole life to the end, just trying to get a little bit closer, a little bit more like him. And, uh, and, and that just takes a humility, you know, uh, to, to say, I know I haven't arrived yet. And no matter how wonderful certain people might think I am, I really know myself and I know I still have a lot of, a lot of work still to do. So many takeaways. You know, I loved spending that time too with Dr. Blackaby talking about the life of Joshua and boy, what were the things in Joshua's life that made him the leader that he was so, so good. I don't know what God's going to do with your life this year, but I'm praying it's great. Not good, but great. And the impact you make in this year to come is an impact you could only make by walking with Jesus every day. I do a Pro Scouts College Baseball Coach Bible Study every Monday. And one of the things we talk about is Every day, getting up and locking eyes with Jesus and walking to Jesus every day. If you do that, and if I can do that, we will keep our character in check. So as we begin 2022, man, episode 125, I can't believe we finished 125 episodes. As we begin this year, I would love to ask for your help. I want as many people to be touched by spiritual leadership as possible. So if you get an opportunity today, if you could hit pause, go and leave a rating and review on iTunes, share this episode with friends and family, because my prayer is that God uses this time with these amazing leaders each and every time we open up together, that he uses it to make them more like him. And if we can change leaders' lives, we can change everything. Well, we're not stepping back in episode 126. In fact, it'll be out next Monday. We get to sit down with Mark Miller, the vice president of high-performance leadership at Chick-fil-A. He's a best-selling author, highly sought-after speaker, and really one of the best in the business. And you are going to love it. So once again, thanks for joining today. Now go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.